Hello and welcome to another episode of our show. Our guest today is Salam Kahil. He is the owner of La Shooterie in Langley and has been an advocate for poverty and homelessness in Vancouver for well over 20 years. You can see him in his most recent film that he's featured in. He didn't direct it or anything. Somebody else did, but it's about him. And that's The Sandwich Nazi, which was released in 2015. For those who know Sal, they understand that he is no stranger to controversy using language and content that is offensive to most viewers. I don't agree with everything he says, but I do believe that he has something to say and something to share. The purpose of this show, after all, is to listen and question the thoughts, views, and perspectives of others and myself. It's not to beat people into thinking a certain way. It's just to hear them out. And sometime in hearing people out, they hear themselves and start to think, oh, maybe this isn't the best way of thinking, right? So having conversations where we use active listening skills is a much more effective strategy than beating people into agreeing with us, right? So please be warned that the following episode is full of profanity and offensive material. It includes the, the use of, uh, of racial slurs. Um, and we decided that although the show sort of prides itself on being unfiltered, uncensored, uh, we decided that we would censor these words out due to their usage and their context. These are words that have been used in the past by guests, but were for educational purposes. And that was not how they are being used here. And so we decided to take them out. Also note that the first 20 minutes are extremely distracting. Uh, you'll notice that I had a hard time following Sal's train of thought, but if you stick with it, you will start to get an insight into a human being, a, a caring human being with a lot of heart and a complex person. I know he's a good person. It doesn't mean that I agree with everything that he says, right? So I thank Sal for being on the show and for being real with me and for trusting me. And I thank you, the listener, for trusting me with your time and your trust, your belief in me. So thank you very much. Enjoy the show. Uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered. This is an open mind. And you're listening to I'm Probably Wrong About Everything. I'm, I'm uh, yeah, high standard whore. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's a great way to start. I, 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 I just started recording, and uh, so. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, she was gonna that I'm a whore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great opener. So, Very Sal, good. Sal, thank you for uh, for joining us today. It was a uh, it was a bit of a process trying to figure that out, but you did it. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Thank you very much, sir. Sixty-two years old man. Sure. My birthday was a week ago, actually. Well, happy, uh, happy belated birthday. 
What did you What did you do for your birthday? I went to work. Mm. I went to work. Then so, I came home and I slept. I thought the uh, I thought the the sandwich shop closed down. You know what? A business is uh, is an addiction. Mm-hmm. It's real addiction. You cannot just pull yourself like unless you have a a sick kid in a hospital on life support. You don't want to pull it to die because you you love it, mm-hmm. but you want to rest too. So it's very confusing situation when you have your own business. It's very confusing. It's an addiction. So just uh, I cannot put it out of my system, but I know for a fact I mean, it's going to happen like soon, like really, really soon. It's going to happen. But uh, I can do it. Re- now, you know, when we did the closing a month ago, people waited three and a half hours to say goodbye to me. It's like, I mean, we have, you know, they have, we, we had the people out of, all the way around the church to 190th. I couldn't believe it. Like, it's like they went to like two, around the block. Yeah. Actually, we had a guy came in and he played bagpipe. To entertain the people. No way. I'm that serious. I have some video on Facebook. You can see it. That guy just showed up from the other side of a parking lot and he just hell. A backpipe was music, beautifully walk around entertaining people. As some people come from Vancouver, like my friend uh, Jennifer O'Connell, and uh, she came to Vancouver for distancing. And <laughs> I had to make sandwiches, not easy, but one I had almost. 12 to 16 volunteer. I well, I saw the video. But yeah. Sal, do you do you think that uh it's okay if I call you Sal? Do you like Mr. Cahill or, or... Yes, call me Sal. Okay, so, okay, you got it. So Sal, do you think that people were coming for the sandwiches or do you think they're coming to say goodbye to you? Oh, uh, it was very emotional, very mm-hmm. emotional day for me. I cried a few times. Because uh, there's there's a plant over there called Bo, like a Chinese plant, Bosna, whatever it's called. People brought me. I had enough cards from a people, flower, a plant, cactus, food homemade for me. It was very emotional. So, but no, we couldn't have enough bread for everybody. Like we made a thousand sandwiches in one day, five hours. <laughs> so good. We, couldn't, we couldn't really. Uh, then people signed a petition to open one more weekend. So we open another one weekend. <laughs> then people kept and say, say oh, come on. Then I felt going two days a week, it's not going to really kill me, right? It's not going to kill me. So it's, 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 it's crazy to talk about business. It's crazy. If you love a people, you're a blessed man. And if you hate the people, you're, you're, you're like God curse. So it's uh, if you, if you really love people, you're attached to them. It's like totally different feeling when you see them, right? They can feel it too that you like them, and you're not pretending, right? Well, I, in my uh, so I lived in the area, and I think I've been to your your shop three times, but every time I left, and like maybe I went in there and I was feeling a little down or what have you. And then your personality, your care for people, I'd always leave happy. Even the one time you kicked the guy out because he was on a cell phone. Oh, yeah. Good. But you they're gave good. him you gave him lots of warning shots. You're like, sir. Good. Anyways, but sir. every time that I've I've seen you, it's like, yes, the sandwiches yeah. are great, but really I come to see you. <laughs> oh my God. 
it's uh, it's you almost have to read everybody's minds when they come to Delhi. Right. You really have to read their minds when they come in. If you're having a good day, make their day better. If they have a bad day, fix their day. Make it a, a better day. So, but some people determined to be miserable. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to let one customer a week or two customers or three customers a week, sometimes more, like we kick out two, three people a day. Once they kick out like eight in a row, just beside the point. It's like, why would you not let one guy miserable to ruin your day and other people's day? You kick him out, he will talk about it, more customer comes in. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. it's crazy how you could make, you know, you could make a hundred people there. Well, over a thousand uh, last weekend or the, or the, when you're doing the closing, but this one, this one person, you know, no, no, no. I have volunteers behind yeah. the counter. Oh, no, people no, can I, make I know, I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because, because uh, volunteers came the day before slicing tomato, watching lettuce, slicing cheese. Then the next day they were there before me. When I got to the shop at 8.30, 8.15, a volunteer is already there. Right. It's because they want to help. Then the following weekend, I have the same volunteers coming in. Like, uh, it's, it's, uh, I think, I think personally, I hope people shouldn't think this way either. People think they owe me something, but they, nobody owe me anything. It's my choice. Nobody owes me anything, but people think they owe me something. But no, I really, I don't believe it. they owe me anything. I really, I really don't believe it. Do you think maybe you're motivating them though to you're inspiring them to help? Uh, I, I can talk about two brothers of mine came to Canada and they went back to Lebanon, right? And the reason yeah. for this, uh, they thought they thought people are indifferent to other people, problem and misery, and so they they said this totally different culture. We're not gonna stay in. They left. Compared to me, I said I can take a challenge. I can like uh, I don't know. It's like uh, see how I can. Uh, Toggle things around, right? And I succeeded, but without any efforts. I have to admit it. I don't do any efforts. I just do it. And uh, yes, I care for my customer, and I want uh, I want them to be happy once I leave my store. But service is way overrated in this country. When you walk out of my store, you walk out with a sandwich product, not the freaky service. Like you know what I mean? Right, I want right. to see some. Huh? <laughs> I see. You, you know saying, what I mean? Yeah. People go to the restaurant. And they said, oh, uh, service was really good, but food no good, not going to go back. Now, look at me. Service is a shit, but this guy knows how to make a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're familiar with the term politically correct, yes? Yeah. yeah, well, that's you're definitely not politically correct, and that's what people love about you. You know what? It will never be either. Because I think Okay, like let's say it worked with racism. Mm. Racist. It's so abused beyond your imagination. A Fijian guy came to my store, he's like six four, hand across his chest, and he said to me, Oh, the white people don't like to work. There are all a bunch of white people there, but none of them said a word. Mm. And I lost it. When you came to this country, did you have a freeway for you, bridges, hospital, police, justice system? Oh, fuck, man. Get the hell out of here right now. Hey, fuck. Look at me, say, but I want to sandwich. You have no fucking shit. Get the hell out of here right now. And, uh, and then, <laughs> then the Caucasian guys, one of them said, thank you for defending us. So what do you mean defending us? You have no mouth? 
was they call us racist. Why not me? You have an accent. You see what I mean? Even a white guy was racist against me. He said, because I have an accent, I can get away with it. <laughs> what? So. What? What? We're all. We're all... <laughs> That's definitely something that we're all very sensitive about these days. Is, is this. Why, though? I... Oh, the N word. But actually, it's a part of the history. How can you erase a part of the human history? It's stupid. I mean, that was a pretty hor like that's a horrible word and a, a horrible time. Why? People call me pack. People call me right. terrorism. During September 11th, I was treated like shit. But then it was like temporary. I might put up with people uh, calling me name because uh, I'll tell you a story. I was September 11th when it happened. Mm -hmm. I was upset. I was walking downtown Vancouver. At that time, I lived at, uh, at 1041 Kongs, I guess. No, I lived here in Chinatown. I don't remember. So one guy, I was walking side by side with him. He said to him, said to me, he said to me, uh, what's your name? He was cruising me though, but it wasn't a pretty face. So I'm not going to do him. Then I said to him, I'm Salam. He said to me, he said to me, oh, you're the Arab terrorist flyer prince. And he was telling, telling me, mm -hmm. and, I, and then I said to him, oh, you're right. You're right. I said, have you ever slept with an Arabic man? He said, no. You want to try it? Yeah. So we went to Hotel Vancouver, Vancouver on uh, Georgia, room 905. He That's a good for. room. You've never been there. No, I haven't <laughs> been there. Not that room, 905, have you? No. Because it's still a smell. Oh. So <laughs> I remember it. It'd be imprinted. Yeah, you're right. But so he went to that room and he said to me, uh, uh, hey, are you going to do me? I said, I have to be high first. I need some coke. He said to me, okay. He said, but go buy it. I don't have money. He said to me, uh, that now he's insulting me to the maximum. Why don't you give me a couple hundred dollars go and buy it and come back? So he gave it to me, that idiot, and never went back. <laughs> he's going to home. The poor, poor guy paid for the hotel and for the coke that I never bought. <laughs> and that day, September 11, you yeah. know the Seafox radio station? Seafox, yeah. Larry and Uli? Yes. Uh, I used to be on their show all the time. Then they had a, a, a contest called Ever Tougher Contest. They said, then my job, uh, and soap up salon, soap me up. So a lady from Cloverdale uh, has to enter the contest and she has to use the soap all over my beautiful hairy body. By the way, the see minute for it. That's a beautiful nipple. Uh, uh, That's a beautiful so, nipple. So, so she's uh, she got naked. I got naked. They call me the champion. But I'm a male escort. I'm used to get naked. Doesn't take much out to get fucking naked. Right. Right. I'm a male escort. For God's sake, I'm a whore. So they, uh, then, <laughs> but she was so smooth. She shaved everywhere. Yeah. No way to melt that freaky soap on her. <laughs> I'm so hairy. A soap melted in half a time. I ate half a soap, by the way. Just finished to get over with this fucking contest. The same day, September 11th. Happened all on September 11th. Oh, yeah. Very active so, day for me. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you, you, you propositioned yourself as a male prostitute. You took a guy's money because you said you're going to buy him cocaine. Yeah. Um, do you, do you drink? Do you... Early morning. I was 6.30 in the morning. So I had to pick me up from home. 
Yeah. Take me to Loverdale, get naked with the lady. She was shaved. She was smooth. Yeah. Oh, smooth. Well, Cloverdale, that's where I'm from. So yeah. not leveled like my testicles, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't hear this one, did you? What well, as you, you get yeah, as you as you get older, you don't worry too much about your uh your 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 body image, I guess, eh? You have you have no you have no shame, right? You're just you believe in the true expression of uh, of masculinity. Lots of people loves daddy. Keep it in mind. Lots of like ladies. I like actually at a Happy Days in Motel in Westminster. It was a shithole, drug hole. Oh, it was a bad place to be in. Mm-hmm. And a lady, she was like 16, I was like 28, 29. She took me to the hotel and she used to put the chocolate up my butt and eat the chocolate out of my butt. And one day she lay down on her bed and she said, Daddy, she's now double my age, triple my age. Oh, Daddy, sit on my face. I did. Oh, Daddy, give me some chocolate. I did. And she said, give me more. I pushed it hard. Whole log came out at the same time. I lost a customer. She never called me back. That's sad, isn't it? Well, I know how important customer service is to you, Sal. So that was very tough. No, no customer service. Don't insult me. Thank you. No customer service. No. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I see so- them well. For good customer service, you go to Subway. For good sandwiches, you come to see me. That's how it works. Right. Well, I, yes. But I will say the sandwiches, while they are delicious, I, I have certainly come to see you because of your personality. And you're just, you, you cheer people up, so. Hey, listen, uh, I, uh, uh, oh my God. As I said earlier, I love a human race in general. Yes. Yeah. I, love a, I love people. And I don't believe uh, we should label anybody as bad a person. Let's say you're good to your mama and papa and girlfriend and boyfriend and aunt and cousin, but you're bad to me. How can I label you as a bad person? You can't. It's here in North America, Western world, if you pay your bills every time on time, like every time on time, you miss one payment, you're punished. Mm. It's so sad mentality. It's so sad. They don't understand we're human. So what if you made one mistake? So what if you miss one payment one month because you you have to, whatever you have to do? Why should your interest rates go up by five percent, whatever it is? Because when, but all your life you pay your uh, your uh, credit card and your debt on time and things like. You know what I mean? So you're it's saying, are you are you saying that we're too hard on on each other? Is that what you're saying? Oh so? hell yeah! Oh hell yeah! Everyone labels people gay, straight, bisexual, trisexual, asexual, metrosexual. Uh, it's fucked up. Sexuality and sex is determined by you, not by other people around you. Not by the labels. Absolutely. Yeah. Since I came to Canada, I hear the same stories. I came to Canada about gay right, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, woman right, right? Four years later, still the same issues coming out. Anything by now, as good a human being, we should be able to find a solution for it and get over it. Well, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, what is the solution, right? Like you say, it's the same issues. If you look at the woman as a person, not the woman, there's solutions right there already. That's my opinion. Well, you just, you, 
I think you're even kind of talking about the answer there is you just treat others equally, right? Absolutely. With all honesty, when people come to my store, I don't look at this male and female. Then I'm joking with the woman the same way I joke with the man. Right. Some men say, oh, woman here. I mean, don't they like a woman to talk dirty? I mean, they touch each other more than boys touch each other. You know, it's like, so what if she's a woman? She's a woman, so I cannot talk, be myself because right. she's a woman. It's like, it's, uh, but of course, I don't pay attention. I don't, I don't really care. And, but I, I feel even sex and sexuality. If a man thinks he's a woman, so he's a woman in his own mind. So we have to accept he's a woman. And if a man, if a woman is a man, showing her she's a man, trapped in a woman body, so she's a man. It's like, why don't you just come up with a formula like this, get it over with, and start still fighting it? And oh, I don't understand that. It's like, even, even like a, abortion. I mean, I'm anti-abortion, but I'm not gonna force a woman uh, to follow my instruction because it's her body, I leave it to her conscience. But I don't anti-abortion, use condom, use pills, whatever it is, but I'm not gonna tell a woman what to do or what not to do. Because not my right, I'm a man. I don't know what it feels to be a woman to start. I have nine and a half inches. I can't really ignore it. Right. Well, so, what you're saying is that we think too much. I don't know about thinking too much. A drama too much. Too much mm. drama. Mm. Okay. Too much dramas. I swear, between you and me, I love my customer, my friend. With all honesty, four of my customers were calling me in the middle of the night, telling me how bad they're feeling, depressed, and things like this. Actually, practically, I was talking to two people at the same time. No joke. One of them as early as 4.30 in the morning. How, do you ever get tired being this this giver that you are? No. The best source of energy is clean conscience and good sleep, but not last night. <laughs> good sleep at all. But normally, clean conscience can give you more energy than anything else. Hmm. So by helping others and giving to others, that rather than lie, than because of case, be yourself. If people get offended, you don't have to see them every minute. What's a right. big deal? Why are people so easily offended? Why people so what? Why are people so easily offended? Because life is too easy here. Mm. Those people never put into a test. It's, uh, it's like easy in life in North America, like very easy. Nobody can starve unless their beer and wheat comes before their meal. You know what I mean? Right. Their car comes before their home. Then they cannot pay rent. Then they call sell. Can I borrow hundred dollar? Never get it back, by the way. Most of the time, very yeah. few give me back. Okay? So, but I cannot say no to them. It's a your money. So. But I, I believe strongly. Uh, I think uh, people are too spoiled. Like they're never really. I come from a war-torn country, right? So it's like uh, I kind of uh, uh, we. Uh, you go through hell, bomb over your head, missile over your head. You have to walk a kilometer to go to a small town where it's safer. I mean, uh, it's, it is totally different. So you can, over there, like here, I, like I remember in Lebanon, we uh, we uh, we had to save every drop of water of any sewers for summer. It doesn't rain for four or five months, right. so you need water to water the fields. Actually, they stop before. I mean. I mean, North America and Europe talk about environment, environment. 
is already happening over there 50, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Those people were saving sewers water to, to water their uh, orchard and their land. Wow. So the, you... And actually, the government give us time, two hours only. So we all get our tools and go to our field and we want water to run faster. So we, 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 we practically clean in front of the water to make water go fast, get more water than in two hours than if we don't do what we're supposed to do. But we did. So you're saying that your upbringing in Lebanon and then, you know, being there during this war period, this time of strife, that's kind of made you grateful. And then you come here and you see that we live such uh, overcomplicated lives. So you're saying that we just yep. don't have perspective? Is, is that, well, a, a lot of people don't have perspective? I think a lot of people uh, help us there for them, right? Like uh, help for, uh, uh, help us there for them. Like life in North America is not difficult and Canada is not difficult. As I said earlier, yeah, is anybody can survive, right? But I don't know. I don't, like, like, uh, I think the major problem, really, but I'm not really expert in it. Family lifestyle, okay. Divorce, right? People have an excuse like we grow apart. You don't grow apart. You have kids, one years old, two years old, three years old, four years old, five years old, for your own selfishness woman or man you practically victimize your babies and kids it's sad you bring people to this world but oh we grow apart and some divorce process can take up to three years of stress right. and and the woman takes us the bargaining things and the man takes the bargaining things it's like it's a mess it's an absolute mess I mean, don't you think people should be taught at school? Okay, guys, you're gonna find a partner, you're gonna make kids, it's your responsibility to look after your kids. Well, I think a lot of us don't know, like you say, how to manage relationships, right? That's we're not taught that in school. We're taught, you know, math and reading. We're not necessarily taught the, the social skills, at least not as much when I was a kid. People always teach their kids in this country, uh, don't trust anybody but yourself. Don't look after yourself first, then look after others. Family is a perfect society what it is. I look after you, look after your girlfriend. Girlfriend, look after her friend. A friend, look after her friend. A friend, look after the neighbors. We have the perfect society. Right, when we look after each other. Yeah. But, but that's if, what you If your mama said to you when you were born, Mm -hmm. Don't trust anybody but yourself, right? Or said to you, you come first, look after yourself first. So, so you learn to be selfish from the day one you were born. You mm -hmm. learn to be fearful of people around you since the day one you were born. Okay, a lady, somebody stole her purse. Headline news. A Lebanon, you have to have like 10, 15 bomb before making headline news. Right. Like, like, Oh, ladies, be careful on the street. Somebody snapped a person from an elderly lady. So what? It's just like it's like it's so simple. As a problem, so simple. So what? The old lady uh, lost her purse, or old young lady lost her purse. The same thing, um, uh, dress code, right? I mean, I believe that uh, most women like to be lovely and compete with each other. 
so about time man too you start wearing some makeup i think like uh, like i shaved my bottle last week and i shaved the front too this morning but this is beside the point but as they dress up the most beautiful way the sexiest way in elevator i was looking at the lady and she said to me oh you you why look away i'm not gonna look nowhere else but at your breast and once i was at the holy rosary church i do like meditation i'm not a religious man so i just sit down watching people praying Right, it brings some peace, right? Because they're doing what they're doing what they believe in, right? And the, the ladies were sitting down on her knees, in her breast, in her nipples, almost coming out. Oh, got me horny right in the church. So I, I, and I look, look, look at her breast. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I can keep it in my pants. Oh my god! But what happened? She looked at me. She, you know what she thought? I was gonna steal her purse. She moved her purse from her left side to the right. Side. <laughs> See what I mean? I'm looking at your brass. Who gives the fuck about your purse? <laughs> I think it's a very funny story of the church. Well, we definitely do, like, it sounds like what you're saying to me is that we don't really see what's important, and what's important is right in front of our faces. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But listen, there's major, I believe, you know, Persian's part. When I first came to BC in 1985, right, and have like 20 or to 30 homeless people in Pigeons Park right there, right. where I live, Pigeon, Pigeon I Park, Pigeons Park, yeah, Pigeon, Pigeon yeah. Park, yeah, one block from where I live. So at that time, we used to make like uh, 50 sandwiches, yeah, and but you never saw anybody giving food on the street. Now, picture this: this baby here, Lebanese guy, started giving food on the street. Now, everything, because he made it to the media. So everybody wanted free publicity. That's including one sandwich chain. Uh, once they count how many homes they give free sandwiches on the street. Because they want to be in the media. Right? You see mm. it? So now we can see more and more people giving food on the street. Right. I, I, way more. Like, I, I know this too. Right? So I, I, I think... Uh, I may affect people opinion. Yeah? People actually on Facebook, if you go see all compliments I get, it's beyond. I mean, I'm glad I'm not flying like an eagle by now. I'm still my feet on the ground. <laughs> right. It, it, it can go through lots of people's heads. People say, how nice you are, how nice you are. I can tell people, please help me to keep my feet on the ground. I don't want to fly. Well, how do you stay humble? How do you uh, stay humble? Easy. Yeah. Well, we all, if we, we all have a purpose in life. And if you don't have a purpose, make yourself a purpose. What's your purpose? Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, my smile, I guess, make people happy. It's like, uh, I don't know, look after poor people. I mean, uh, honestly, I give more money to poor than I give for myself. Is that stupid? <laughs> I have an ugly Chevy car. <laughs> I have an ugly phone that I keep it together with a rubber band. <laughs> like. Probably that's why it didn't connect. <laughs> well, I, money doesn't seem like, you know, money is not a measurement of, of I'm success. I'm not fearful of future. I'm not. I don't feel the future. Yeah. Kisera sera. What? What's that? Kisera sera. What is that? Kisera sera. What will be? No, you never heard it. No. Well, you need deserve a good spank. I, uh, yeah. 
That's very promising. <laughs> this is why we're doing the Zoom interview, Sal, so I don't get hit by yeah. you. <laughs> huh? <laughs> oh my God. For your own protection, right? Exactly. Own protection. Yes. Yes. It's like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, my purpose of life, I don't know. Hmm. Just making people happy, I guess. Uh, be happy myself. If, uh, I'm not saying I'm a good person, but if I don't feed one homeless every day on my way to work, I'm not a happy man. So where are you? Where are you working now? I work Saturday, Sunday at the deli still. Really? I still work to this week. I still work to this week. I still do it. Because, because yeah, when, well, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I love it too. I I have to bring my wife there still, because she's like, oh, I've heard What's about him. What's his name? Uh, Carl is his name. Wonderful guy, wonderful guy. <laughs> Listen, it's funny about the gay marriage, okay? Mm. Uh, uh, one of them has a wife, one of them has a husband. I can fucking understand it. Although I'm for equality, equality and, and uh, you know, but this is my husband. Oh, it's like a late, the guy asking, this is my husband. Oh, please. I mean, I'm not against it, don't get me wrong, but kind of shocking for me. It's like, Oh my God, it's like, now uh, I have a Danish couple, he's come to my deli. The husband is so feminine and the wife is so masculine. Yes. Go figure. Go figure. That can happen, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like I'm talking about two guys. Oh, so I see what you're saying, yes, yeah, yeah. They have these gendered roles, but they're two the, the, the gay couple that has like two guys, the feminine, feminine one, who does crochet mm-hmm. is the husband. And the other one is, I shouldn't be laughing. I have to admit it. Otherwise, people think I disrespect them. No, I don't. Uh, uh, a bit confusing for me. A bit too confusing for me. Why do you think, like, like, like it, it, it just seems that we're so wrapped up in, you know, gender and, and sexuality, like you're talking Why? about. Why? Because I see it every day. And my store almost, right? Yeah. And it got me a bit confused. <laughs> have you ever heard of toxic? Huh? Have you ever heard of toxic masculinity? Uh, no, what's toxic masculinity? Don't explain to me, please. That's very new for me. So toxic masculinity is this idea of, you know, you're you're I'm a man and and men don't cry and we like to drink beer and it's, oh yeah, it's this That's idea of yeah. some of my customer uh, are called, what are called? muscular toxic, mas- toxic? toxic masculinity. Yeah, oh. they gave me a blowjob. They gave me a blowjob. Actually, they did. <laughs> some of my customer. That's not a joke. At the deli, behind back room, they did. Yeah, they, they said they're very masculine. Then I'm straight man. Oh yeah, I suck my dick then. That's it. <laughs> so many times. <laughs> They came back for more. <laughs> do, does your family, do, are they still in Vancouver? Or do they still? It's the only one in Canada. My family ran away. Back to Lebanon. They just, because they couldn't handle it here? Or what do you think? No. I, I, two brothers only came to Canada and they went back. Mm-hmm. They went back because they thought, as I said to you, uh, okay, my brother Karim, he's not religious, but he thinks every white man is gay. He was bad. He was bad. He was bad. My brother Azim, he was like 
he's not fanatic Muslim, but he was some kind of uh, religious man, right? Right. So my brother uh, Azim, he couldn't handle seeing all the lady on the street, all the bra and you know mini skirt and things like this. So he went back to Lebanon too. Huh. I'm the only one stayed here. You're the only one. Because I loved you guys. Actually, a reason for most of you accepted me the way I am. My mom and dad, a uh, bit above average, right? In Lebanon. So if, uh, if my father joked a little bit more than normal, when they came home, my mother would be fighting with him. Oh my God, that you want lower caste. It's like, I, I believe that fight when I was a child, like I believe, the, like I saw this fight between both of them day in, day out. It, it, it hurt me because my father came from poor family. He had a bakery. Now in old days, 11, like 100 years ago, let's say or nine years ago, or eight years ago, my father's 94 years old, by the way. And he's, he had like 14 inches dick, no fucking joke. You have mushroom head. My father has big peach with mouth wide open. Oh, I can believe it when I saw it. I almost want to kill him, bring it with me to Canada, do penis transplant. I, I couldn't have the nerve to do that. I couldn't do it. Oh my God. I couldn't believe his size. So your dad's but, 94. Yeah? He's still alive, your dad? He's 94. Holy smokes. And he smoked like cigarettes like a chimney. But he doesn't he, smoke Canadian cigarette. He smoked, he goes to the farm and cut the leaf, shredded himself. No chemical, nothing. So he's still 94 years old. Smoke like a chimney, nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. Isn't that shocking? That's, uh, yeah, you can't get away with that here. She That's died for... two years ago. My mother died two years ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, she, she had Alzheimer for 16 years. 16 years. Average Alzheimer in Canada is eight years. Do you know why? They sent to rest home because they feed them chicken broth and one piece of carrot. Right. For God's sake, let's face it, okay? If somebody's fucking dying a month from now, feed them T-bone steak. What do you want to care about their house? <laughs> fucking dead. That break my heart. Yeah. You go to any rest home and you see the elderly people actually tend their hands. They want to see like, uh, they want to touch you and talk to you. Mm. That's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Maximum for people Alzheimer in Canada, they live like eight years, 10 years, maximum. My mother, she died at the age of 92. She has a breast, a huge breast, because she breastfed 10 kids, right? right? So she has a huge breast. My God, my father was a lucky man too. So this is beside the point. My, my family, for my mother Alzheimer's, I have a maid brought from Bangladesh to Lebanon for three years to look after my mother. Medication on time, food on time, water on time, a meal. Nobody sat down and eat until their mother sat down too. She has Alzheimer's. It's totally different culture. Right. It, it it sounds like you take care of each other, right? At least your family in, took care of each other. In Canada, more and more now. In Canada, more and more people take care of each other. And mm. uh, I think COVID is helping to uh, to get people closer to each other. What are, what are your thoughts on COVID? You know what? Follow the expert. Right. Because... If they're right, we saved lives. Mm -hmm. Lives, right? If they're wrong, we screwed. 
so we can sue them later on. But why don't you follow the expert advice? I mean, there's a system in place. We have to follow the system. Right. At least in a crisis like now, COVID. Some people say it's conspiracy. I don't know. I'm not an expert. Some people said it's like, oh, this is the guy of uh, Microsoft. He has pattern. I, I don't know what people who, okay, with all respect to every job, dishwasher in a restaurant can talk about Bill, what's his name, the guy? Bill what? Gates. Bill Gates, yeah. He can get on his mind, and Bill Gates decided to reduce population of this earth. My ass. I don't know what people come up with something like this. But it seems that sells. Well, that's just it, right? It sells. We anything sells. Like anything on the, like 172 versions for the Muslim, right? If you Bomb yourself, you got 72 versions and happen. Oh my God. I mean, that, I never heard of it. And I'm a Muslim. And I was sent to a Quranic school to study Quran when I was a child. Mm -hmm. During Ramadan, I had to read the book three, four, five times in one month. Almost six hours of reading the book. Right. I mean, then uh, hadith means what the Prophet Muhammad said. Sunnah means the rules. I was taught all this from age of two, under age like eight. Because my parents and you, no hope for me. <laughs> were you were you a very re rebellious young person? You just didn't follow the rules. Okay, I was sexually abused by my oldest brother since the day one I was born, as long as I remember. And my oldest brother, and my mother knew it, but she seems like she encouraged it uh, because he was very intimidating man. And my father didn't protect me. So around age of 14, I ran away. I didn't see them until almost 30, 31 or something like this. Like oh, 27 years later, I went to see them for the first time. Then they kicked me out. My mother was talking about dispute between two brothers. I don't take sides. I don't take sides. You can tell me something. Carol, tell me something, your wife. It's a... Uh, I can listen to both of you, but I'm not going to judge either one of you. And I'm not going to take sides one. Because we all, when we tell some stories, we tend to, or something happened to us, exaggerate to gain the support of other parties, right? Like, it seems like we're, we're, we're seeking their approval of what we did, right? There's another, uh, I think, a major issue, a way of thinking, right? Hey, what was my point anyway? I lost it. Well, you're talking about how you moved away from home when you're 14. So, so my father protected my father, then they to punish me for sexually abused by my oldest brother. They sent me to live with my, my aunt, and I was brought up by my aunt. Hmm. But in my own mind, I knew it. I'm gonna run away. It's gonna happen. And somehow at age of 14, 15, gone. My, then I was living in Beirut and the civil war started. My father came to the, to pick me up and I turned my gun on him. I said, I'm not going to go home to the same hell ever again. Mm -hmm. I never lived at home. I lived with my aunt all my life. And uh, what's the difference going to make to me if I live with my aunt or I live here? So this is the dark side of my life, I have to admit. Mm -hmm. I never had a childhood. Never had a childhood, right? Because when you're sexually abused, you are living constant shame and fear. 
shame of doing something not socially acceptable and the fear of people's going to know about it. Right. You know what I mean? So that, that was the dark side of my life. But I'll tell you this, when I ran away, oh my God, I bet you I felt almost like my feet didn't touch the ground. That's how good I felt. Because you got out of this this home where you didn't feel safe, obviously. Yeah. So how did you how did you come to to Canada? Like, oh, oh. long story. I lived in I went, left Lebanon, then I, I left Tripoli, Lebanon. I went to Beirut, Lebanon. War started between Laila, between a Catholic and Muslim, and I was uh, living in a first of all I was living in a Catholic town called Hadith Shweifat. Hadith Shweifat was all Catholic. One day they were looking for me to kill me because I was the only Muslim in town. Believe it or not, a Jehovah's Witness saved me. They come up to my place. They're looking for you. Then a Jehovah's Witness, in the middle of the night, gave me a right to green line. And he said to me, you go this direction. Now, if somebody yell at you, Kuf, means a stop in Arabic. You stop. Don't run. Otherwise, they're going to shoot you. Mm. You fall in the Say, okay. He said, I'm going to sit in my car until you cross almost 100, 200 meters from you. Just to make sure that you're safe. I said, okay. Stay. I went to lie like he was a Shia Muslim. But they weren't as bad as a Catholic to me, so I was okay. Then uh, I was living in that town, and I went to University of uh, Lebanese, means University of Lebanon, or whatever it is, to study genie on chemie, chemical engineering. Right. Oh. So then war was so severe between East and West one night, like so severe. That uh, that all building was shaking, and I have a cute roommate. He jumped into my bed. He said to me, "Oh, can I sleep next to you?" And I fucked him that night. I had sex with him. Say the point. So and, um, then, then next day, bombing was so severe. We walked uh, across the mountain in Lebanon, things like this, until we ended to Syrian border. Then we took, we were like five people took a taxi from Damascus, Syria to Hamas, Syria to 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 border. Then Syria didn't want to keep us. They want to. Let us go open a border so we can go back to Lebanon. Oh, it was a mess. So we landed in Cyprus. Then from Cyprus, Saudi Arabia, Jeddah, Damam, Riyadh, all the cities. Then, uh, then I went to I, I went to Cyprus. I bought a passport for five dollars. Now in all days, the passport was not like now high tech. The passport was uh, like you there's your picture under plastic. You lift it somehow, like steam it a little bit. You put your picture, you get a passport. Mm. Beautiful. I got my passport. So I went to, first stop was Copenhagen, Copenhagen, after Saudi Arabia and things. Yeah. And I went to Denmark, and um, at the airport, I speak French, perfectly, perfect French. So I was going at the Copenhagen airport, there was uh, two gates say, anything to declare, nothing to declare. So I took nothing to declare. What the hell, Danish customer asked me, I don't have remember, I didn't speak Danish. So I, uh, I said them in French, swing at them. Fouille-moi count means fuck off. But yeah. fair for it, fuck yourself. In French, je suis français, I'm French, je viens de Paris. I come from Paris. And I run to the taxi, take me to downtown uh, Copenhagen. That's how I made it to Europe. Then I went, uh, once you're in Denmark, you can go to Finland. You can go to Norway, Sweden, and Finland. And uh, I did. And after this, I went to Germany. Then I went to Holland. I lived in Volendam, Amsterdam, Rotterdam, Adam. Then after this, I used to travel a lot between Köln, Cologne, and Germany, and Amsterdam and Holland on a train. 
no passport, no paper. I don't know the fuck I did. I made it. And then I used to put my luggage above the Hawaii people. And I said without luggage, they thought I was local. They thought they were from out of town or from different country. Then I, I was high. Oh my God. Oh my God. I was high all my life at that time. I wish I wasn't. I would remember more about those freaky countries. So uh, then I made it, uh, I got another passport and I made it to Orlando, Florida somehow. And I was uh, fucking the fattest woman to get my green card for free. I never got that fucking free green card. Never got it. <laughs> I know. It's not sad. All the hard work. That is a nothing. lot of hard work for a green card. One year. Got. One year. Funny, she was so big. Oh my God, she was so big. Too much meat to eat, but she was so big. Oh my God. You had to, she would like, she, she said, put your head there, you know, uh, eat me out. And I did. And uh, because of walking around and big fat legs, her legs were brown on both sides, right? Between mm -hmm. her neck and side legs. Uh, uh, it was, she was using gravy browning instead of using the other. Oh, the suffering I went through. So, so then I lived in Lake County, Eustace of Florida, the biggest redneck town in the world. Right. Like the biggest. Lake, the Lake County? Yeah, Eustace, Florida. Yeah, called Lake County, Eustace, right. Florida. Almost 40 minutes from Orlando. So uh, no Spanish, no Asian, no black allowed in. It's cute Lebanese just walked in. And I was in charge of a town within a week. A church bazaar, country fair. I just stick my nose in everything they did. You couldn't help believe it. They were shocked. You see, this little guy can decide for us about everything almost. I almost did. Then they loved me. Then they called me the Arab. They never called me by my name, Sal or Salam or the Arab. Where's the Arab? Arab is not here. So if I didn't show up one day for any function, they came knock on my door to make sure I'm okay. So this yeah. is in this community, and and you really became part. Now it's probably it's a big town, but in old days it was very small, very small town. All are born again Christian. We the smokers. Oh, mm -hmm. oh they're fuck me like God doesn't exist. Oh my God, their car. Oh my God, and I, I don't know how to say no, huh? I did it all for free. One year of my life I wasted it. Then I had a minor car accident. And I had all the state insurance for my car. Otherwise, they don't care. You have paper, no paper. They give you insurance for your car as long as you pay. You know, they don't give it a damn. At that time, I'm sure now it changed. Then uh, they uh, had a minor car accident. Then police came around my ID. What the hell ID? I have no ID. Then I say, I have no ID. So what do you mean? It's, 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 you, know, I'm, you know, illegal. And he said, now you have two cases to go. Car accident and no paper. Oh, shit. So I ran away to Maine, from Maine to Vermont, from Vermont to Quebec. And I tried to get my paper organized and things. I had a hard time with it. An immigration officer, his name is John Saint-Ange, actually he solicited me sex for paper. So I fucked him. For one of these, I got my paper. Obviously, I was cute. Well, you still are? So, so... 
there's a, a human rights lawyer in BC mm-hmm. to take federal government for to court because of this back for paper right but I don't know if I want to go for it because I'm a whore right it's like a, I mean I did more drugs than anybody else I did more alcohol than anybody else I mean what could the fucking reputation I already have <laughs> so are you sober you know, now or like do you, do you do you still do you smoke weed or anything like that I don't like weed it's legal who wants to smoke legal shit yeah, well you know what I mean yeah This is for boring people, man. Oh, I smoke weed. Oh, I smoke a fat one. Oh, fat, fat. Well, I fucked a fat one for a whole year for nothing. So... <laughs> You're not getting anything out of it. No. So, so, do you... so I do put up here and there, like uh, when we have an uh, orgy or something, if we're singing a night, right? And uh, then uh, everybody uses uh, Cialis and Viagra, right? Mm-hmm. Not me. Weird. I do what's called. Uh, Triple P. You know what it is? Triple, like three. A P, like letter P, like Paul. So, triple P, you inject it in your dick. Too bad we're not on live on camera. I would have show you. I could do a demo for you. Because I did it in a deli many times for people, right? So, it's like, uh, if you do line, yeah, your penis turns into a rubber band. Right. If you do a Christmas, nothing can wake up your penis except triple P. Okay. Long. So you were in this uh, this drug-fueled orgy. Um, I did E and C and K and G. I used to go with alphabet every night. <laughs> yes. yes. So, That's so, why I'm so educated. But then how did you finally become sober? What was sort of this, this moment in your life when you're like, I... You know, sounds like this is not sustainable. Did you say sober? Yeah. I guess uh, you're a bit wrong here a little bit. But I'm controlling it, right? I'm controlling. I'm not like, oh my God, I need my shit. I need my, I need, right. I need that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, but if there's party, sex party, oh, fuck it, I'm going to get higher than anybody else. Right. Still to this day. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. Well, what, what's your uh, what's your drug of choice? Well, lots of them still. <laughs> <laughs> so you you actually do drink then? No, I don't like alcohol. No, I used to drink uh, until uh, almost age of 29. There's a restaurant called Papitas on Robson Street. I'm not sure if it still exists. Mexican food, and I was there with uh, two friends, and we were the restaurant was long. In the corner, there was a table, like by the kitchen, the only available table. So I had like two pictures of margaritas, and I got like, the fuck, three, four beer. I already had at home vodka tonic. And I went to the restaurant, and I said to uh, I went to the restaurant, and after like uh, drink out the, uh, this uh, margaritas and, and all the beer, I said to them, oh, I need a fucking fresh air. I have to stand up, stand up. What I did, I stood up. I couldn't stood up, couldn't even stand up. I vomited in the middle of a restaurant. Packed with people. We're not talking about like vomiting a little, vomiting like the salsa, the nacho, the fuck. <laughs> oh my god. Explosive. I walked walk two step and I screamed, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I apologize to people. One more. Oh, I'm sorry. I went on Robson Street. I hold to the uh, light pole, like pull, but I pull, I hold it to it. 
vomiting and the pain was my chest was so severe. The pain was so severe. So I decided the no alcohol for me. I then I stopped. Actually, I had the phobia for alcohol for almost for almost uh, you know, I'll tell you honestly, when I went back to the drug and after the death of my brother when he was killed in Paris last year. Oh. What ha- what happened? My brother is the doctor. Now, if you go on my Facebook, September last year, he's a doctor, um, Dr. Mahmoud Kahid. So if you go on, last year, I went to Lebanon, I picked up his body from Paris and for an Islamic burial in Lebanon. And my brother was uh, killed the most brutal way in Paris. I'm sorry to hear that. Michael, get just some water. Of course. And the French government doesn't give us any information about the pillar. So, so, uh, his nose was chopped, his ear was chopped, his face was chopped. My father still said to me, come back here. Before the white people kill you like they killed your brother. Is that what happened? I don't know, just waiting to see if the French government is going to give us any news about my brother. This ha- this happened a year ago? <clears throat> Yes, if you got my Facebook page, you can see it. My father would say, come back, come back. Say, why do you want to come back to Lebanon? He said, because the white people are going to kill you, like your brother. Come back, live with us. I tried to explain to him, I mean, Canada is different. I mean, I have good relationship with lots of people. Some people said he probably was killed because he helped uh, black people, people on a boat from Africa, because he's a doctor. 
he has uh, his uh, own organization to look after little kids from all over the world. Like, uh, uh, if you go on my Facebook, you can see some picture, him with his like equipment and uh, with like, like first aid, whatever on his back with other doctors jumping on a ship to, uh, to, to help a people coming from Africa. And so, uh, I would, huh? Well, it sounds like your okay. brother was a hero. Much like you. He goes to, Af he goes to Africa to Benin Republic, Republic de Benin, mm -hmm. every year for one month, the poorest of the poorest. He saved thousands of black lives, right? One fucking in the US got killed, entire world jumped. My brother who saved a thousand lives of this nobody even count. Nobody didn't even count. He has his own organization to look after little kids. They put like little bears. They got up to these little bears. Actually, this video on September last year, you can see my brother brought a family from Morocco. They speak French. And and he knowingly that their kid won't survive. He said, if I can extend his life by two more days and let the parents enjoy having a kid for two more days, it's my duty to do it. He brought them to, to, to Paris. And then uh, at the end of the video, he said, it's like, la lit entre le pouvoir. It's like a war between a power and, uh, and, and people less power. I have to unplug this kid now. And he said, uh, but I want to make it the easiest way for him to die. Even the baby is dying, my brother wants to make it easiest for him to die. I mean, this man gave all his life for poor people. Everything will be all right one day, in my mind. I think this is uh, the worst thing could happen to anybody. To see your brother chopped into pieces. So when I was told, I couldn't stop that uh, thinking uh, how much he suffered. Did he beg for his life saying, please don't kill me, please don't kill me. It's like... Uh, It's been going on for over a year now. No answers. Every day, I wanted to kill myself. Every day. You you want to kill yourself? Yeah, after killing off my brother a year ago. Every day I want to kill myself. I don't... Uh... Do, you, do you believe in, like, what do you think happens after we die? Honestly, what do you I'm believe? Sorry. I believe there's a second life. Okay. I believe the, the choice you have to make if you want a second life or not. Mm -hmm. A second life, you have to earn it. It's not going to give it to you like this. So I believe life is nothing but uh, it's a, uh, one second. 
life is nothing but uh, purification for better life later on. Okay, so I believe that. I believe that strongly. If that's true, then I mean, what happened to your brother is horrific, and I'm so sorry. But if what you believe is true, then like fuck, man, he gave his life literally for other people and so have you so you can't give up right that's not what your brother would want it's hard to deal with it pardon me it's very hard to deal with it i I, it's very hard. I, I can't i can't imagine i mean have you been able to deal with it? No. Have you had anybody to talk to? Yeah, I talked to lots of doctors. Right. But uh, I don't know. I think this is one reason I gave up on it, Delhi, too. Mm. At, at once, I lost so much faith. And everything. You see, 94 years old man, my father, grieving the death of his son chopped to pieces. I mean, what, what these people did to your brother is like, it's horrible. It's hate, you know? It sounds like it's hate. Why, why else? I think it's political because he's Lebanese, Arab Muslim helping foreigners. I, I, I don't know. I, I just I don't know either, but there's rumors. And the French government doesn't really say any information. Please don't really say any information. We had a lawyer, cost like 4,800 euro, $7,000. And he called me during, uh, during uh, that uh, the black guy who got killed in the US on the same week. He called, oh, he wants more money. I said, what do you have for me? Oh, we cannot talk about it. But fresh accent. I'm gonna talk about it. It's the investigation is still going on. I said you got four thousand eight hundred euro, hmm. and now you want to ask me for more? Is like, it? Is like, are you? I said, I said to him in French, "What if for foray? Go stuff your ass." So right. uh, you stop in good English. Yeah. Then uh, I was scared that my father's gonna get mad at me. And I talked to my father. Said to my father, "Hey, father." Uh, uh, but nicely, I was thinking to my father, he's 90 something years old man. So I said, I want to break news to him that I fired a lawyer. So I was like, uh, but what if I did something wrong? My father didn't want to fire a lawyer. So I was right. like, well, how are you going to deal with it? So I said to my father, it's like, what do you think if, uh, if one member of his family killed him, if his friend killed him? Uh, uh, and my father said to me, Sal, put it this way. It's not going to bring him back to life mm. if we know who's the killer. So what's the waste of time and energy on it? He said, don't. He said, I said to him, I fired him. Good for you. My father's 94. He's on his cellular phone all the time, Googling. And all this, all his, he sits down like this. He's skinny. When you go on Facebook, if you have a chance, you get some picture of him. Oh, my God. He's like two-thirds of my height. Skinny, skinny, skinny. Yeah. And then you get somebody like me, monster, next time. 
It's below my shoulder. The poor man. When was the yeah, last? Huh? When was the last so, time that you were with your your family? That day, I went to brought my brother to, for burial. One guy came, Zim's James, Polish, and to the deli. Then I said to him, uh, "Hey, you don't look too good." I said to him, "You don't look too good. You look your because I always cheer up my customer, regardless, because I don't think it's their fault." What happened to me and my family? Right. So because something bad happened to me, like you know, when I was in Lebanon, my sister she's religious, and she she was crying loud. Why ask? Why ask? Look at you, how many thousand people you feed all your life for poor people. Him too. Africa every year. Actually, was killed four days before he left to Africa. Every year, one month goes to Africa helping poor people. So my sister said, "Why? Why ask?" And I got angry at my sister. I said, who said someone else deserves it more than we do? Would you be happy if it happened to your neighbors? Right. My, my sister, she hugged me and she, she apologized. Well, we're just trying to make, you're trying to make sense of this horrible thing that happened, right? That's where anger comes from. You're just trying to make sense of something, I think. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I still think life is fair. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bullshit that happens. Because, because you got your color, race, sex, sexuality, all born the same way, all gonna die. Mm. And none of us knows anything about the future. Regardless what religion you are, regardless how handsome you are, what color you are, Life is fair. Welcome the same way. We're gonna die. Nobody knows anything about the future. This is my talking about life. I, I think that, you know, we're united in death. Like that's definitely something that we all get. That's equal for us all. But the way that, you know, we've created countries and governments and things like that, it has made it unfair for a lot of people. Yeah. So, and that's something that you've fought against, right? You know, you've you take care of homeless people in Pigeon Park, you feed them, and you've never asked for any, you know, uh, trophies for what you've done. And I don't want it either. Yeah, no, exactly. Neither did your brother. He did it because you guys have done this because it's what you believe in, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, a hell of a legacy. A good human being, it can feel the pain of others. Otherwise, yes. we're animals. Yeah. A human race is supposed to look after each other. 100%. A human race can um, build houses and bridges, freeways, hospitals. But let's talk about animals that live fucking in a cave. I'm like, in a fucking cave. <laughs> it doesn't make a human race a human race. Yeah. We care for each other, although it's not the same way like 100 years ago, where churches look after it. I was government look after it, like uh, hospitals. I mean, they look after me the best way you can imagine. I have to admit it. I mean, I have all service I want. They take care of me. Uh, I make them laugh a lot when I go there. And 
Last Wednesday, I was at Temple Hospital, and uh, we do exercise, but they put me on camera. They're going to put on YouTube soon, I guess, to teach people with cardiac problem how to exercise. <laughs> yeah, because I'm energetic, right? I'm an energetic man. I you don't that. say. Yeah. Huh? I said, you don't I say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like a challenge. So when yeah. I go there, some, there's two more people came with us. Oh, they're so fucking lazy, complainer. Uh, like one of them like 50 years old, I guess, for example. She was like, like 10 years old girl. I said, what? And I didn't say anything because I'm very polite, right? But all the attention went toward me because I didn't go, I went to treadmill. I didn't go to the bicycle. I'm going, I increased it. Hike on one side, like a maximum 15 minutes. I couldn't walk for two days after that, right? It was like a show off for me. Then <laughs> the other message she said, do you want to do bicycle? You want to do that one? You know, rolling? Like this, I said, I do rolling one. I did it all for, for like 50 minutes nonstop. Then you have to do warm up and things like this. But it's going to be on YouTube soon uh, for because uh, well, they're doing a program about uh, cardiac healthy, heart healthy, heart cardiac. Well, fuck this. I don't know about this. I volunteer. Like I go there. Did, didn't you? Yes. Ha didn't you have cancer or something like that a few years ago? What's I, that? Was I had a major car accident. I was rear-ended by a semi on freeway. Oh, man. 95 kilometers an hour, 140,000 pound load hit me. Holy. Then when I did, had... Uh, hmm? When did this happen? Uh, two, uh, July the 4th, 2011. Oh, 4th of July. July. This is this. Carefully, this is carefully. Uh, so I was hit by truck and they took me to the hospital. They test me. Oh, everything is okay, Mr. Cahill. You can go home. So next day I went to see my doctor. I collapsed on her floor in the office. So oh, you have to go to emergency now. So they sent me to UBC hospital because no waiting time. Mm -hmm. I went to UBC hospital and uh, other the cities kind of things. And they released me. They said all the bruises. So uh, day six, uh, 14, I went back to the hospital, UBC. Dr. Edmund treated me like shit and two nurses, British and East Indian. But the East Indian, she was ugly. She was like 400 pounds, like one in Florida. Uh, probably she never washed her hair. I swear to God, like ugly monster. Oh my God, how can a man to fucking touch her? I can't. God forgive me for this. God forgive me for this. Oh. Her, vagina, her vagina must be like a split liver. No joke. Oh, I don't know how people eat it. said the point. I'm trying really hard not to envision that right now. No, yeah, you're right. Otherwise, you're going to turn gay. Uh, but you're cute. You can make money while being gay. Don't worry about it. I've, uh, I've been told that before. Right? So <laughs> you make money. I made lots of money. I swear. I got $55,000 uh, loan from a school principal after I fucked him for two nights. <laughs> I got from uh, HSC Bank manager. I fucked from one night. $21,000 yeah. Bob Reno, realtor in Seattle. I fucked him one night. He paid my rent for a year and a half. So <laughs> check. <laughs> what were we talking about? We're talking about different subjects. We're, we're talking about how you were in the hospital and then you, you started telling me about these day wonderful 14, nurses. Day 14, I went. Dr. Edmonds refused to serve me, help me. He said, you've been here. Everything's okay. It's just the bruises. I said, all the blood under my skin. So uh, then they had that. English, British lady, and East Indian. Both of them had terrorist operation, I guess, in their homeland, right? And they got the Muslim guy in their hand. Mm -hmm. Revenge. Right? So 
So uh, uh, they put that thing to measure my blood pressure. Actually, when I look at them, come to my room, then at the end, they, they say, okay, you go home. Then I'm lifted. I have to lift it myself. So I was talking to Dr. Edmund and said, please help me, man. Like, I think I'm going to die. And Dr. Edmund said, no, nothing wrong with you. Go home. Day 16. Nobody lived more than 14 days after car accident with type A aorta dissection. My aorta was burst. Whoa. Your heart. My, my aorta. That, oh. I could, so, so day 16, I don't remember how I went to work. I did go to work. And all of a sudden, I was serving my friend, Craig T. Uh, he does the Suri Eats Facebook page. You have to talk to him. He told the story. He was there. He was begging me to go to the hospital. No, man. I don't want to go to the hospital. Then I jumped on the counter. Now I'm gone hallucinating, right? Apparently, paramedic came in to pick up a sandwich. People said to him, whatever happened to Mr. Kaye, we think we have a heart, uh, cardiac arrest, whatever it is. Mm. So, I mean, from two hours at the deli, they didn't know that I was aorta dissection. Aorta dissection. You know how dangerous it is? Nobody lived more than 14 days when it's damaged. 16 days. If you see my movie, Sandwich Nazis, they saw that the doctor who operated on me, Dr. Gunning, yeah. from Royal Columbia. Nobody ever lived 16 days except this guy. Well, you're, you're, uh, you're an anomaly. There's no question that you, my friend, are an anomaly. <laughs> In more ways than one. Then uh, took me to the hospital because they didn't find out what's wrong. Yeah. So the hospital, one little Chinese doctor, Five, he said, uh, you look at, oh, he has an aorta dissection, I guess. CT scan, straight back ambulance, police escorted, Royal Columbia Hospital, straight to operation room, doctors waiting, nurses waiting, 12 and a half hour operation. Mm -hmm. there's, there's, one, there's one thing I want to kind of ask you about, and uh, um, I'm not, I, I, I apologize if it seems like I, Whatever you want, don't be too polite. Don't be kind yeah, of yeah, okay, okay. But like the N word, you know what I mean? I really it's a part of history. My brother saved ten thousand of them. Nobody. Yes, yes. I mean, it's like it's like one killed. Terrible. One who saved tens of thousands from a ship goes to Africa by Republic. Yeah. Right? It's like why like it's a part of the history. But but South history. So, lots of things that right. like, you know here. John McDonald, yeah. a founder of Canada, founder of yes. Canada. Yeah. yeah, he put a bunch of Indian and now people are taking down his tattoo and sculpture and changing his name of his feet mm -hmm. back to a different name. It's a part of the history. So turned down this fucking sculpture or statue. Why don't you leave a note like something bronze say sure. the history? What he did wrong. Yeah. Keep the heritage going. Well, and, and, and more about the Chinese heritage. In Canada, East Indian fucking heritage in Canada. Then you worry about Canadian heritage. You know what's Canadians crazy? We have to apologize to every right. race in the world. We have to apologize to everybody in the world. Except the Zacadien, French Canadian. Never apologize to them. Yeah, I, I, I can see that point. Uh, okay, so so he, hear me out here. What When you're talking about, I assume you're talking about George Floyd, right? About this guy who was yeah. killed in the States. Yeah. There's There's a lot, there's a history behind this. Like, there's no questioning that there's inequity, there's racial inequity in Canada and in the United States, all in the world. And we're trying to fix that, right? So, I mean, he was killed by police, right? Like, that's fucked up, man. Just like your brother's fucked up. But when we're, like, 
these things are wrong. And we got to make it right. Because kindness and, and love, that's what we got to do. That's the key to racism. And racism is real, man. No, it's not. No? No, it's not. In my daily, no East Indian ever came back to pay sandwich. I give them one credit. No <laughs> Filipino ever came back to pay it. White people come and pay it, all of them and give me some extra. Right. You mean? Now, culture involved. Yes. Trudeau said, when he was elected, said, we have to embrace the other cultures. Why? If it's better than mine, yes, I will. But should it be mine, I'm not going to do it. So they come to my store. Now, uh, we had a sign at the door said in old days, you have to remove it. Because it said, if you're hungry, you don't have the money, it's on a house. Filipino and East Indian, they all want a free sandwich. We have to remove their sign, we have to use our judgment. Is it racist? No, it's a fact of life. East Indian don't come pay the sandwiches. With a turban, man of God goes to the temple, my ass. If you go to the temple, pray to God, pay you me that fucking sandwich, then go to God and pray for God. Because so, this is true, this is a fact from my story. We don't give a credit to East Indian and Filipino. Am I racist? No, I'm protecting myself. They will never pay me. DHL employees weren't allowed in our daily for five years because one Filipino, his name is Jesse, worked at the airport, he still worked there. And I gave him a credit for two sandwiches because he was so ugly. When he laughed, his mouth was bigger than his face. I never saw something as ugly in my life. So he's ugly and crook on top of it. Why would any woman fuck him? It's like, See me? So he came to Delhi about three sandwiches. Then he got a call from a supervisor for two more sandwiches. And he, and he said, oh, it's my territory here. I can't pay this afternoon. That day never came. I know his name is Jesse. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, any employee came from uh, from BHL. Oh, you put the sign at the door. You're not allowed in. And you get my money from Jesse. I never got it. I even got emails from the company in Frankfurt. But I still didn't get my money. And they said the same thing. Once they come to my store, they don't pay. So am I racist? Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm waiting for the answer. I, am I racist to say this race, am I going to give them credit because they're not going to come and pay me back? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a, there's a problem when we look at a group as a whole, right? Like all white people do X. Do you know what I mean? Well, all, when... our white, all our white people come pay me sandwich, give me extra too, I swear. Uh, you know what, I'll tell you this. A couple of days ago, I went to my store and there was a, a business card from a guy with uh, $20 for two sandwiches he bought, he said three months ago. Throw mm. it from the whole, he said, I came a few times, you're not there. So the hole above my door, this window's open, there's the T-bars, he threw it there and, and he, he, he Send me an email telling me it's on a shelf. It fell on a shelf. So when you go to my office, grab it. Right. And I didn't mean it. It's like, then, uh, and, and, uh, but it's culture. If I, if I, wanna, if I want to any culture, I swear, it has to be way better than mine. I'm telling you right now. Do you think that there's a bit of a problem when we look at cultures as being inferior or superior to others? Do you think that that's a problem? Well, well, people bring it on themselves, like, uh, right. I'm black, and I'm going to 
I'm black if it's going to discriminate against me, if it's going to discriminate against you. Matter of attitude. East Indian, they all have small penises. Smallest penis in the world is not Chinese, it's East Indian. I've seen enough of it. <laughs> so it's, that's not a joke either. Well, one of my clients, he was like 6'4. I fucked him in the deli in the back for $50. His penis wasn't bigger than probably, I swear. Amen. How how so, is food safe never shut you down for some of this stuff? It's in the back area, man. That's all, <laughs> well, it's, so, listen. Uh, 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 okay, I'm Lebanese, Arab, Muslim. Mm-hmm. How come I don't have a problem? I mean, this is some sometimes something happened. People make stupid comments. But if I have, I serve six hundred people a week. One bad white man. I'm gonna leave. All of white people are bad. I'm not gonna let it happen. But if you have 99.9% of white people pay their sandwiches and 99% of Indians don't pay their sandwiches, we have a problem. It has nothing to do with white people and racism. It has to do with, with okay, it has to do with culture. Some culture, if you like to save your face, you make you smart. Compared to our culture, you have to be ethical. Right. Now, now you look at the restaurant to interrupt you. McDonald's now is start being bought by East Indian. You don't see white people or Chinese working in a Filipino or East Indian with their hair like ponytail flying everywhere, right? They don't tie up the girls, right? And I don't eat at McDonald's, never. There's one on uh, Wellington Avenue in Grandview. All the East Indian, I'm pointing out their hair long, like, 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 like almost like a horse. Oh, fuck. And then flying everywhere. But I was touching it. I mean, I'm not gonna go there. Right. It's good. Huh? I'm listening. Yeah. So, so you can tell who's the new owner of a restaurant by the type of employee there. Now, the East Indian hire East Indian. Look at the security companies. How many white work for them? Every security company is around. They're all brown kids. Is there any white kids need a job to pay their school in September? No, obviously. If you have a white company that have visible minority in, will be sued. We think it's a human right. But the restaurant, the security company, how come they don't hire white kids? So are you saying that because these companies are owned by, say, East, East Indians, Americans? right? No. Only no. hire East Indians? Is, is that what you're... Political party in general. Political party. It's yeah. a suck up for a visible minority and immigrant. It's a suck up. Now, if they have majority of Indians in a certain part of the town, the, the, uh, the MP runner has to be that minority, right? Why? You have to look at that East Indian and say, oh, I'll vote East Indian because they're going to look at their community. How about the rest of us, you idiot? So, would you say that it's pretty unbalanced then? Is, is, is that what you're saying? It's, it's, it's the worst democracy in the world, is in Canada. Why, why is that? Why is that? Simple. You elect the man, you have a lobbyist run the government. Right. Now, a real democracy, a people run the economy. Yeah. If you have some lobbyist come to the government and say, oh, you should do this, and you should do that. Right. The government doesn't represent you. They represent lobbyists that hired by a big company. As long as you register lobbyists, it's not a bribery anymore. Isn't that stupid? So, so because of these lobbyists, these uh, for for example, Doug McCallum, remember the Uber thing? 
Yeah. And he took Uber to court. Well, many people say, yeah, that's just lobbyism right there because the taxi cab companies didn't want yeah. that because they would lose a bunch of money. Is, is that sort of what you're saying? Only this is on a broader sort of scale? It's a lobbyist and briberies of the same shit. Whoa. This has been paid by the company to go convince the minister of something to get his ideas. Like, okay, give you something. A cheese uh, quota from Europe or all over the world. Yeah. When they did the free trade with Europe, they gave almost 60 or 70% of a quota to big multinational companies. But small people like me, they made it so difficult. Every three months, you have $10,000, like 10,000 kilo of cheese, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like $50,000 cheese. You have to sell it within three months. And if you don't sell it, you take a quota away from you. Now, not just this, there's a suck up shit. And then after every three months, you have to hire an accountant, a couple thousand dollars, to send the government report that you sold all the cheese. Right. So it's so difficult. Right, 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 right. You're talking about uh, like the, the milk banks or whatever and how they, they have quotas on dairy. Yeah. Right. So people like us, we cannot sustain it. We can't really stand against big multinational companies. You know, 35 years ago, when I started my business, all of oil used to be deli item. <laughs> really? I'm serious. Yeah. Parmesan cheese was a deli item. It's like, it was a deli item. It was like pickles, deli item. You don't see that super and things like this. Right, they right. Have, they're now ethnical uh, section. So small hours, it's really, uh, I don't know how I survived that long. But I survived in the business for that long, 35 years. What, why do you think that you survived this long? Because I think I have the answer. Constant struggle, okay? If you got Canadian Food Inspection Agency come to your place, yeah, to your warehouse, I'll never obey the rules, I have to admit. I mean, no I kidding. Were... No, Evi uh, evidently, Sal. So. Oh, fuck, I love this. <laughs> so it's like, uh, <laughs> I don't want to go to jail, I can't talk much about it. But it's like, oh my God. It's like, uh, I charmed them. Yeah. Well, you're, you're a charming person. I just charmed them. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's like, uh, oh God. I did you prop, did you, you propositioned yourself, didn't you? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> you know, once a police officer around 15 years ago, I gave him a blowjob. I was driving on a freeway around 160 kilometers an hour and 100 kilometer zone. I was like, oh, Sal, you're fucked. But the police officer came by my window. He didn't put his head down the window. He still had that up, and his zipper was halfway down. So I gave him, I was like this. <laughs> Under his balls. He didn't wow. move. Then he took me to uh, Kingston exit. Then we went around, turned right, and we went on the lake. And I gave, me, I gave him a blow job, and then saved $500. So better than nothing. Right? Well, you got to get out of it some way, right? When I did. Well, I think that the reason that you've been so successful uh, is because you're just a likable person and you truly are yourself. You know what I mean? There is, if you look up the word authentic in the dictionary, you'd be an example. I try. I try to be, I try to be fair and good in life. Well, I really do my very best. I really do my very best. I'll tell you, man, you, you, 
there was one day I was at the shop and I was feeling, you know, kind of down or whatever. I was like 21. And I left there thinking like, man, you're a good guy. So, and still to this day, you have that. I hear this every day. I hear this every day. Well, get used to it, man. You know, 10 years later, you're still the same good human. I came in. He left a bottle of wine. He had a bottle of wine on the counter in a paper bag. And I finished his sandwich and I gave him a sandwich. I said, him, buddy, $8.40. He said, This is $8.40. It's $20 for a last sandwich you gave me. I really don't remember. I give lots of free sandwiches. Yes. I really don't remember. He said, There's a bottle of wine for you, by the way. He said, I was, I was having the worst day ever. I thought everything was against me. Nothing, nobody take good in the world. And here you go. You finished sending you said, this is on a house, sir. And uh, I resisted, but you said, this is my store and I decide, not you. So I was like, for me, it's like, oh my God. You know, on Facebook, uh, uh, for uh, I was shutting down my store, a, a lady came in and she said, here you're shutting down. I want to come and have a sandwich because you fed me for so many years on his hastening. I have a home, I have kids, I have car. You can oh. see, you go see it. Yeah, I took a picture with her. Heart touching. You see, why? Now there is a, between, uh, I'm not going to name it. In one little group of this family, I've been feeding forever. They don't have no money. And I never met them. People told me. Huh. So uh, those guys, uh, they don't have money now to pay gas. So I had to send a volunteer to deliver to them. Right, right. To one little group, right? And one day he said to me, he sent me a, a messenger, Facebook, Sal, thank you very much for putting food on our table. Then he had a bowl. My son was torn apart with small pieces to feed their babies. Hmm. Yes, I cried. Shit. Look at you. You came with nothing. You just give and give, and you don't care. It's like you put food on those people's table, even for their little kid, to tear apart the small pieces, the sandwiches, salami, and bread, and things to feed their babies. Well, one thing about you is that it seems the more you give, the more you get. Right? You have over. You have more than enough. I'm, 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 I would say I'm not a rich man. I'm not actually below average, but you know what? Uh, you said I cook pasta and tomato sauce. Yeah. I cook. I can go yesterday. I, I had. I started a new page by the way on Facebook called yeah. uh, "Cooking with the Sandwich Nazi" or something like this. I don't remember what they said, but I don't remember what it's called. But I think it's called cooking. So I was wearing my uh, my the, uh, my underwear with my butt out, right? So. I didn't show it on Facebook. I miss sex, like cooking with no shirt, like nipples out, belly out, balls out, almost. So it's a cooking with a sandwich. That's I think. Name. And I already have like 227 people like already in overnight. So <laughs> you have a following, my friend. Last question for you, Sal. Um, yes, how did you get this name, the Sandwich Nazi? Oh, many years ago. Mm -hmm. I really believe I was called Sandwich Nazi before uh, uh, Seinfeld. Really? Uh, oh, yeah, I think so. 
uh, Alec Baldwin. The actor? He used to come to the store, Kings and Boundary. No way. I'm very oh, fuck yeah. Oh, the actor. Because in old days, there was four studios only. Boundary by the freeway. Yeah. And the freeway, right? That's it. There's no more studios. It wasn't like now. Yes. So, Alec Baldwin, I don't know. Uh, my employer is going like this. Ah, 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 ah. I see what's going on. Ah. <laughs> I said, like, what is it? I said, well, Alec Baldwin? Yeah. Who the fuck is he? He was telling me. And he starts laughing. He was start laughing. He said, you're like a Nazi. You have no service. They have good food. Remember this. Then uh, Janet Ongoro, because FM, you weren't born. Remember? Jan How old are you? 31. Oh, uh, you weren't born. Uh, Janet Ongoro on Kiss FM. Today I was on a show. After this, we had Larian uh, 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 Willie on CFAX every day, almost. Then after this, I went to Bro Jake. And after this, I went. Then that company who owned all this radio station, I don't know what the name of it. Some kind of uh, entertainment thing. And that guy, the, the, the owner, the big boss, I think he's a black guy. So, oh, Mr. K, let's do something together. So I may go back and radio shit. You never know. Well, I love your personality, man. Thank you, brother. You're a good human. And uh, thank you for your time, Sal. I love so, you. I love you too. Full time. Full time, <laughs> all time. So, so the the shop is still open. So Saturdays and and Sundays. Saturdays and Sunday. Okay. Well, I'm I'm bringing my family in. So. Yeah, bring your husband with you. I will. He can't <laughs> wait to meet you. <laughs> my dear Wait, friend. On Wednesday, FedEx place an order, two hundred sandwiches for this Wednesday coming up. Oh my gosh! There you go. Okay. You can't, you can't retire, man. The world needs you. I'll retire. I'll retire. Ah, uh, yeah. Well. I'll retire. All right. I love man. you. Hey, I, I love you too. Thank you so much. Once again, that was Sal Cahill, owner of La Shooterie in Langley. Sal has been helping people for over twenty years. I know that during the course of this podcast, he's probably said things or he has, he has said things that would offend others that probably should offend other people, but that doesn't make him a bad person. It means he has bad thoughts, thoughts that hopefully through time and education can change. But when we force people into changing mandatory tolerance, I like to call it, that actually breeds resentment. One thing that I've done in my own experiences is with things like Black Lives Matter and LGBT rights, all these things is I've started to read books that have educated me on why this is important, why we need to accept people of different cultural backgrounds, of different identities. And that's because they're human beings, right? It's very evident 
once you start to read why we should be kind to one another, why we should be kind to one another. But when we beat the shit out of people who think differently than us or have hatred or mixed feelings in their heart, that's not helping them. Martin Luther King has said it best, and it was words to the effect of, you can't beat hate with hate. You beat it with love, right? Only love can do that. Some amazing quote, and I can't think of it right now because my brain doesn't work. But that's what it comes down to. We need to stop fighting with people online. It's not working, okay? We need to stop with that. We need to start having conversations like the one I had with Sal. Again, do I agree with everything he says? Absolutely not. But do I stop the conversation? I didn't. And I wouldn't have had the conversation that I had had I have done this virtue signaling with him. So we need to start listening to each other. I, I promise you that if you do that, you will see, not to be cheesy, but a whole new world. And right now, that is what we need. We need to stop having these pitched battles with each other and start having conversations. Thank you for listening. Take care and see you soon.